Meghan Markle is vilified and Andrew was out here wearing up gowns and shit. And yeah, but he didn't turn on his family. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you know? No, we're not. We're not doing Andrew today. <laughs> we're not. We're, we're not either either Prince or Tate. With no Andrew, no, is there, no Andrew's no pod. Welcome to another Black in a Box. The world as told by black faces in white spaces. Impeccable. Indeed. It's always better the second time round. <laughs> Sometimes. Welcome to our latest guest, Tyler. Hi. Oh, we're in the same post production again. We'll get some claps and nice some cheers. Like <laughs> Rather than be lying. How are we feeling? How are y'all feeling? Yeah, good, man. Good, happy to be here. It's finally happened, hasn't it? Angela. He's gone home. He's come home. <laughs> I've come home, man. Oh, wow. I've come home. It's, yeah. It's, it's been a really interesting month or so of doing this, but. How are you feeling about old, that? Old. But I also feel true now as well. I but you look like younger. Longer. I don't look I was going to say, it's giving, it's giving youth. Oh, wonderful. I'll take all <laughs> this. Thank you. Also, it's, it's. It's a bigger, I want to own it. yeah. It's a bigger journey for you than it is for us, because I've basically just seen you like that anyway for the last. <laughs> That's what everyone always says. They're always like, "Well, your hair's short anyway." Yeah, Don't I mean, now. yeah. Just to clarify for any listeners, we are discussing Don's dome. Oh yeah, I'm bald now. <laughs> I'm bald now. Oh, <laughs> to be fair, so yeah. In fairness, w- the way the journey that this went on was. He's been struggling for a while, and then he came to London, and his champs, right, re- champs dragged his hairline. Oh, they did. Back, I wore as well. Back from the dead. <laughs> it was mad. I remember the first it, time I went there. I was like, "What have you done? Like, how have you managed?" Exactly. You got a little weave at the front, <laughs> and you had that for a bit. And it, to be fair, that was. I was like, I don't know how he's done that. <laughs> I'm going to be recording you laces on for a while. <laughs> <This> <laughs> that was spray paint as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Didn't get the tss out washing your head. Yeah, but we're done now. But yeah, mate, it looks good. Thank yeah, you. it does. Uh, any plans, Angelo? To do what? <laughs> <laughs> Come home. To donate. Do, do I need to? Well. I, this is the one thing that I have been blessed with is an unnecessarily strong hairline, <laughs> which is funny because if you look at every other man in my family, I'm not even, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that uh, yeah, th- th- there's a struggle that I'm, I just, I'm not privy to. Um, mm. Count your blessings, man. I, I do, I do. Good. Let's you know, you guys know the day I've had it. It's offset. It's offset. Always offset. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, put it to the test. Do you think you'll? Do you think you'll ever cut your hair? I mean, I, I used to. I used to be. I yeah, to but do you think again though? Yeah, I might, if I have a role that required it, then sure. If the money's right. Yeah, the, yeah, the money'd have to be right. But Ryan Coogley used to have hair like this, and then he made Black Panther, and he had to pattern up in it. <laughs> Disney bag. <laughs> he got the Disney bag. He was yeah. like, "Oh yeah, no, I cut it, I cut it, I cut it, I cut it." Yeah. And then he got the Rocky, the and then he got the call. Rocky bag. Huh? You're waiting for the Disney call. Yeah, it's better than waiting for the uh, Top Boy call. You know. <laughs> is it? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not playing. I'm not playing a gangster. 
He will play a gangster. This is right. Exactly. Uh, Clip this. I will never play a gangster. Yeah. Rap man, Ashley, <laughs> Ashley any, any, any of you guys, if you're listening, he will play a gangster. <laughs> he will. Um, so just call him up. And you. I'm not shaving my head. No. No, but are you legally are you staying here? <laughs> <laughs> staying here? What's, your, what's your status? Um <laughs> I have submitted my UK settlement application. We love it. For just a few shackles. Just in time for the boss to arrive. <laughs> and five years off of my life in stress. Big up Hackney City Council, but <laughs> story for another time. But Stephen it is submitted, Green. so now Stephen Green, yeah. <laughs> wherever you are. Oh so now, um, yeah, we're just waiting for the results. But yeah, it's in. It's in. Congrats, mate. I'm yeah. sure you'll be. I'm sure you'll be allowed over. Thanks. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, because this is potentially the handover from woman to woman <laughs> in the, the, the <laughs> so, not even an interview like as, as you know we don't know any women so <laughs> you are ergo by default um the woman on the pod so okay. i'm gonna learn on the job yeah 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 You're, you'll pick it up really quickly cool. yeah. I, got <laughs> I do have my ha sh uh, head shaved so oh. i'm halfway there there nice. we go yeah. that's nice gang there we go. Yeah, more in the crew than I am these days. Mm. Jeez. Watch your back. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think today is a day for learning. And also later on, it's a day to do what Angela loves to do, and it's to talk about the royal family. But right now... <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> that is, it's not true. It's not true. We are going to talk about neurodiversity. Now, I don't know about neurodiversity, which is one of the few topics I will honestly say that about, as you know, on this pod. One of the few topics. <laughs> <laughs> one of the three things I don't know about. <laughs> um, I guess today, Tyler, you know more than I. Indeed, I do. You are an elevated voice in this space. So says everyone. So says LinkedIn. So says your history. So says your writings. So says your speakings on the internet. <laughs> what is neurodiversity? I'd say neurodiversity is the understanding that just as like... Well, the definition's based around the fact that, like, oh, the world's biodiverse, take that to brains. Everyone's got a different brain. We're neurologically diverse as well. Um, when you take it into the movement around, like, fighting for, like, equality and space and access and resources, my take on it is that you just need to take everyone as an individual and give them what they need. Mm. That's really it. So when people tend to talk about it in conversations like these or just like in, like in the workplace all that stuff it, they tend to be talking about people who have like autism adhd dyslexia dyspraxia and so on but if you take it back to what it actually means it can then also include mental health conditions like brain damage just anything that will help or have an individual's brain be different to the quote-unquote norm and baseline i <clears throat> i find that really interesting because that was one of the questions i actually had was uh 
you know, is there a difference between what people would class as like a mental health condition or um, neurodivergence or um, even like a personality condition or, or something like that? So you would consider neurodiversity to be just to encompass everyone and how all of our brains work differently then. Yeah, in the sense that like even anyone who doesn't have any sort of diagnosis or quote unquote disorder applied to them, like everyone's brain is different and we're all in the same spaces. Mm. So like two people in a room, that room's not neurodiverse. There's two yeah. different yeah. brains mm. in that room. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's so much of a more <coughs> accessible idea, a starting point for conversations to, to have this, to just accept it as everyone's different. So like, again, from from, to a lay person thinking about the conversation being that um, someone is, is different in whatever way to, oh, um, like autism is like a spectrum of behaviors and it's not just like that's a spectrum now, it's like, okay, we've now got everyone. It's like, a, it's almost like a galaxy. Yeah. And that every the galaxy's got X amount of stars, X amount of planets and, that's for a much healthier way of looking. Yeah, for me yeah. to un for people just to understand that it's like okay, everyone's got its specific needs, and it's a, I guess a better place for to use our example for like in in a school, it's the starting point that okay everyone needs to be catered for, mm -hmm. rather than we're just going to do things this way, and then anyone else any outliers is gonna is gonna is gonna suffer by by um, comparison, I guess. Yeah, I think also in this space is what you got to take into fact that so many people will have the enough traits to be classed as having whatever condition, but won't have access to a diagnosis, mm -hmm. or like just might have more than one like neurodivergence. So it's like if they've only got one diagnosis, they're only treated or given help for one. You rest, you don't cast um, cater for the others. It's like well they need more than what you're giving them just because you see them as one person based on this one label. When really, if you see them as an individual, you can help them like get to where they need to be. Mm -hmm. mm. So I was gonna ask, um, I've, I've um, been freelancing <coughs> at um, an a school for autistic children mm. and one of the things that's super, super obvious is the disparity in gender. So there are whole classes where there are no girls, for example, and I was just wondering if you could talk about maybe like your path to diagnosis, because it seems from my experience of working at that school that there's something being missed in girls. Yeah, so kind of before, I'll answer like my path, but then also like why the, the school's probably full of like male identifying kids. It's like because the diagnostic criteria was written with young white boys in mind. Mm. So then anything other than that cis white male over the age of probably 10, it's gotta get missed. Mm -hmm. um, so then, so for me, that looked like I didn't get diagnosed until I, well, I'm technically, it's a long story. They messed up my paperwork, being black <laughs> in the health system, don't have the paperwork for my diagnosis. <laughs> but um, it got like, I became a cause for concern in college basically. And luckily my, form tutor was the head of special educational needs. I kind of got an ultimatum of, you go into the mental health services to find out what's going on in there or you're leaving college. 
and I like had plans of going to uni. Was like, like they just leaving college just wasn't in my destiny. So I was like, right, okay, cool. Like I'll go speak to someone again, see what they've got to say this time. Because I've been engaging in those services since I was about seven, mm. and even with that, the first thing they labelled me with around seven was anger management issues. And it's like, what's a seven-year-old got to be that angry about? <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Then also, like, I'd bring up, um, like, I'd, I'd vocalize, like, oh, I have no friends. Like, I find it hard to play with people. Like, all of these things, which now I know about, like, autism more, someone should have picked this up. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, like, all, like, even suicidal ideation. Like, what is a, like, a seven-year-old with an all right home? Like, there's no external factor that should have had me like verbalizing that kind of like behavior yeah. or like those th those thoughts. So anyway, yeah, go through the whole process um, at college and they're like, yeah, you're autistic and depressed. And I was like, oh, the autism's new. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's how I found out. Yeah, it's so, and that's even just that whole pathway. And it's great that you were able to kind of get that reassurance and get there eventually. But you also, well, at least I feel like we probably would all agree that if you were a young white boy, this just would not have been the case. And you know that young white children who have quote unquote problems, I'm using air quotes, um, it's what's going on at home? Mm -hmm. What are you feeling? Like, what, what's wrong? Let's get to the bottom of this early. And there's so many solutions for that demographic of people and then everybody else, it's just, they immediately jump to the most negative conclusion. For sure. And it's also kind of weird because like when you, when I like think back and look at me as a student, I had a massively like what they call a spiky profile. So I'd be super strong in some areas and then really weak in areas that would seem to be linked. So it, do, it wouldn't make sense. I'd be like amazing at one skill and horrific at another. Mm. Um, but again, looking through a like a SEN lens, it's like, oh, there's a like, you need to dig in here and find out what's going on. Mm. Like even, oh, I remember this one time. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, cause I used to run away from school. Like at oh, lunch, really? cause if they'd, I'd hide in, at lunch at break times. And this is, I'm talking primary school. I'd hide um, under the coats so I didn't have to play out. And then obviously you have to go outside, like health and safety, da, da, da. I'm like, okay, hey, cool, whatever. Um, and then I, if, I, if I'd want to like go outside and I'd just sit against a wall just mm. to like let the hour go by. Apparently that's not allowed either. So then they'd make me play with people. And this one time, they're like, oh, go play with Lizzie and Alice. I'm like, okay. They were playing like, you know, what's the time, Mr. Wolf or something. Mm. And it was my turn to like be the wolf. I'd played along, like I'd listened to everyone else. I'd like played the game. And then they were talking during my turn. And like part of the game is that you have to be quiet. Cause mm -hmm. like it's the whole like crux of the game. So I walked over to them. <laughs> <laughs> And I literally banged their heads together. Oh. <laughs> 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 Probably that every teacher has ever dreamed of doing. I've always wanted students. to do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Jamaican thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear, you must feel. You <laughs> it was bad, yeah. And then, but like, it's just constantly things like that. And luckily I had really bad hay fever as a kid. So like summers, I got to stay inside. Mm. But it's like, if I, again, if I didn't, my time at school would have been even worse because I would have been forced to do like what every other kid has to do. Yeah. Mm. And it's like, I don't think they could understand that 
yes, I can talk with people, I can communicate with them, but when I'm telling you like, I do not have friends, it's because I didn't. It was, I didn't, I could see other people would have like bonds, and, like relationships, and, like sleepovers and da 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 and da da da. And it's like, I had like one friend at one time and then she made friends with someone else and forgot about me. What was the SCN provision like at your school? Not for you, because mm-hmm. you said that there was a head of SCN. Was were there other children that uh, were diagnosed with other neurodiverse conditions, and you were missed? So primary school, yes, there was a like one of the students in our class had a support mm-hmm. like all the time, and there was like two or three others that would have like extra support, like um, depending on what subjects they super struggled with. Then for um secondary school i was actually diagnosed with dyslexia then mm-hmm. so they managed to pick i mean it was a grammar school and my test scores weren't where they needed to be so they need to find out why <laughs> <laughs> um, turns out they think that i don't know i'm still not set on the dyslexia diagnosis now that i know i'm autistic um but because it's that my type of dyslexia is about like information processing mm. um so the worst case has been when i've been learning to drive i can't take in road signs quick enough but i don't know if that's because i struggle to read them or what but then know more about dyslexia like it is a bit more than just seeing words on a page so yeah secondary school i engaged with those services they just gave me extra time and exams gave me a laptop and like okay cool fix yourself then college (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) it's like it's again being the white like the the black kid in white spaces Mm like i'm going to a catholic convent in cheshire like they didn't care um (laughs) then college there was again a strong system there for i guess there was a whole like program extra learning different types of learning for students who um were had special educational needs but my paperwork didn't come through Mm. so they took on the information to not kick me out i already had my dyslexia information with them anyway so my exams i'd take them in smaller rooms and all this stuff um then for university because I didn't have any support for autism post-diagnosis, I didn't know how it manifested in my life. And again, that's another massive transition. Mm. And looking back at like the breakdowns, the blowouts, like all of the things that happened while I was at uni, which weren't healthy, they could have been avoided had I had access to the support that every other autistic kid had at that uni. I was uh, reading an article in pre- preparation for today by uh, a writer, a Canadian writer called Isatu Odia Barry, and she'd written, after months of wondering why I operated the way I did, my diagnosis felt like an ha-ha moment. I realised I wasn't inherently lazy, unmotivated or scattered, I was simply neurodivergent. And that's something which another friend of mine has, has had a similar feeling, that he he only got the, the diagnosis recently, he's, he's, 35 now and he's been thinking this since he was like 18, 19. <laughs> did you, I know you've not had your paperwork, did you get that same feeling of kind of like whether vindication or like justification that? Not at 17, no, no, because it was more of that, the reason I was going in there was to stay at college That and I got that. So it's more of a relief that yeah. I wasn't gonna have to replan my whole life. Um, I think when I really started engaging in and learning more about being autistic and neurodiversity as a whole was when I was about 22, so I felt like for nearly five years after. And it's still, I think because of my point of engagement, it's not an aha because I don't view diagnosis. I don't hold diagnosis on a pedestal. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I just view it as a data point. It's like, mm-hmm. in, like, know more about yourself. So am I glad to have a shortcut in what would have been years of trying to figure it out? Yeah. I I really like your uh, classifying it as more of a, a data point because I think even um, as far as I know, I don't have, you know, a neurodivergent or a brain or anything, but who knows, maybe. But um, when I think about my identity as like a black woman, that is also just a data point for me. And I think sometimes some people really strongly identify with certain parts of their personality and there probably are Mm -hmm. people who have autism who strongly identify with that which is fine but then I think it's also to recognize that not everybody wants to be seen as you know the girl with autism or the black girl (laughs) and it's just this is something that now I'm armed with this information I can kind of move forward in my life but I'm much more than that yeah I think because again like a lot of it is now you know what you're going to do about it because it's that information to then make changes like and not i mean i mean i've got hay fever that's an allergy but it's like when you know you've got an allergy you act differently mm-hmm. and it's just things like that so and again it's not because i i don't discredit or like want to downplay the relief it can bring because if you are at crisis point and everything's falling apart and you don't know what's going on i can imagine how finding that out is a like a, a really relieving and an aha moment mm-hmm. but it's then another another battle because mm. you also have to come to, to uh, like, going to your point is that you've got to come to terms with what that means for you yeah and like where's it going to sit in your identity how are you going to tell like how and also a lot of the times there's some unlearning to do with like ableism because mm-hmm. i've had if being vocal about it like people in my in my circles will come to me like oh like suspect or like have been i was like we get on of course you are <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess, and there was literally one the other day and I was like I thought you knew <laughs> but I was like <laughs> holding back because they were like not upset but like were just a bit shook I, like, yeah. oh, I saw a reel on Instagram and now I think I was like well now I know but <laughs> um, but yeah and I was like well the reason part of the reason you're shook obviously if you've lived 35 years of your life and then you're being told you're that's, that's again the thing you're not being told you're something different you're being given a piece of information about yourself, like a word for how yeah. you've been, not to say you're something different. Um, so yeah, and it's also like, you've viewed autistic people as other until this yeah. point. Yeah. And mm. now you're one of us, so you're a fool. Because yeah. like every every time you've thought you were better than, you're actually judging yourself. Mm. Huh. Mm. Preach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, the reason I'm particularly fascinated by this because one of my really close friends was diagnosed at 31, and but um, had to take their employer to um, a tribunal that they. Oh, I rate them for won. doing that. Um, they they follow. They they're a huge fan of yours actually, oh. um, and were very excited when um, they heard that we were kind of blessed with you on the uh, on the pod. Um, what I was going to ask, and I think we we're gonna get to this a little bit later, so forgive me if oh, I'm jumping it's forward, Dan, fluid, brother. is that <laughs> obviously the report came out in 2021 that said that um, 78% of um, autistic adults um, are not in work. Mm-hmm. And in fact, 
it was 16%, only only 16% are in full-time um, work. I've mm. watched a lot of your um, YouTube videos and you've talked about kind of, it's not for you specifically a question of capability. You're very good at what it is that you do. Could you kind of speak to us and, and also kind of like our audience on what some of the challenges that, that you face are? Yeah, um, I think... I mean, the way that work life is, I'll speak to the UK, nine five, like even in this flexible, like quote unquote, flexible working times, like it's not flexible. Mm. Like there's a lack of trust from the employer to the employee, which unless it's just, it just creates challenges. So like I'll speak to the times that I've had. Um, I've lost jobs because I didn't want to do social things. Um, hmm. which were out, out of scope of the role, not in my job description. I mean, advertising, yeah, it's a bit of a social industry, the quote, unquote, like they're, they're trying to change it, like it's a new, it's a new day and all this. <laughs> it's like, but I'm, it was a coffee. She, was, she didn't even want to go to the pub. I was like, no, I don't, wanna, I don't want a coffee in the middle of the day. And it was the only thing about the role that would give me anxiety. Mm. I'm like, it's a stressful job. Yeah, I know that, I know what I signed up for, but I enjoy it, so I don't mind. This weekly coffee is actually like, heart palpitations, tight chest, sweaty palms, no thank you. And then they're like, mm, the perm roll that's here isn't for you. I'm like, after telling me I'm really good at my job. So I'm like, oh. okay, cool. Um, other challenges just been, I think I have <laughs> this being reframed as honesty, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> you said a lot without saying that much. There. No, I, I love this. Please, please get into this. I love yeah, this. So when yeah, businesses don't make sense. And that again, like it, the, it causes me physical pain when things don't make sense. So if like we're in team meetings, like, I'm, I'm basically always the one that says what everyone's thinking, but no one said mm. they've got their reasons. But I'm like, I'm going to say it because it's on my chest. Like I'm, I'm, I need the answer. And a lot of the time that comes across as defiance and it's not, it's I want information. And the reason it comes across as defiance is because you don't have an answer. Yeah. And also because you're a black woman, because if you're a white <laughs> man and you have this attitude, it would be like, what a gun. I like your Driving the business yeah, forward. Yeah, the sharp yeah. brain, yeah, come on. Yeah, there's even been times when questions I've asked when I've been at places and then obviously keeping in touch with people who work there, they get answered and I'm gone and someone else gets the fame for like bringing like the issue to light. I'm like, you know what, you said jokers. Um, what else are issues? I think on the on the day to day, um, particularly at the moment, like, and again, I'm in a much better company, like they're a lot more respectful of like work time and work working from home really does mean working from home, like we're remote first, all that good stuff. But like, again, I'm still autistic. So no matter where you put me, I'm gonna have challenges. Um, and I get really bad, um, like what's the word? Proved it, brain fog. <laughs> 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 so I get really bad brain fog when like, if there's another part of my life that's a bit out of whack or like mm -hmm. I'm closing or like nearing depression, like my brain just, it just starts to shut down. So like Monday, I was the only one with the password for a keynote I lost it, it's gone. And it was needed to be delivered at 1 p.m. And it's like, in the beginning, it just looks like forgetfulness. But when these things happen again and again, so like, what else happened? Like I've, I've lost my keys three times, couldn't find my purse, like, and 
it's again why autumn's missed in women because like oh it's oh she's ditzy or like mm. ha 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 like oh she's forgetful all those things so it's like it's sometimes it's small things sometimes it's bigger things but eventually it's just chipping away at how good you are at being the model perfect person mm. which is like the standard everyone's held to but naturally my brain just isn't wired to align with that i do feel as well that there is that there's i have a frustration with the way that some places can be very um unaccommodating mm -hmm. and i remember my friend kind of asked if wanted to go to university to do a master's and was asking you know is there provision to have um you know lectures put online so that i can if i'm kind of uh for whatever reason not able to come in i can access them online and they were like nope absolutely not so mm -hmm. could not take a place at university and then when covid hit they then made all of the courses available online but by that point they'd already lost the place on the course yeah, and crazy. it was isn't it interesting that so much of the especially with kind of homeworking that there was this um during covid and people went this really works for me because if i need to take some time and da -da -da, but how many people had been lost to in inverted commas the workforce because companies until they were forced to weren't able or not, no, it's not willing. able, weren't they willing, willing. Yeah, weren't yeah. willing to make those um, small changes. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, like, I got a TT because I had to do paper submissions as well as online. Yeah. And like, I would get it in online on time. Mm. And then I'm like, next time I'm on campus, I'll, I'll drop it by, but I'm not coming in to give you a piece of paper, which you have, mm. and you mark the online copy. So <laughs> what is the point? And you can like, I'm, there's no time for me to change it. I can't do anything about it. Like, again, logically, don't make no sense. So I'm just like, things like that. And then yeah, even on businesses. And I think what's now the struggle is like the return to the office and then wanting to like put in these um, new, like unnecessary like rules and oh, it helps morale. And it's like, how does it, if I'm telling you it doesn't make me happy, yeah. mm -hmm. how does this go to making boosted morale and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, oh. Tyler and I worked at the, the, the same place for a while and I'm not going to name the place on the board, but th they had that whole thing where there was a, a return to the office situation, but because it's COVID, we don't need all this office space. So close half the office and you've lost half the desk capacity. And then you're then asking people to, to come in, mm -hmm. but they don't have their own space. Yeah. Some of them, a lot of them, I think we both joined during COVID. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really, like I knew a few people Others didn't know so many people. So yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm now having to come in, not necessarily with my team, but just with the same like people within my job description. That like, that was for me, it was a bit like, this is a bit weird. And I'm the most like sociable people to the point I'll just force myself over the people. Like, hey, how are you doing? You're right. <laughs> so I can only imagine, <laughs> exactly. So, well. I, I can, exactly. So I can only imagine what, that is like, and you might be able to speak more to this, just that situation is then, you're then forcing people into, as you say, their version of hell without, you know, yeah. there was no yeah. consultation on it. It's just like, you're gonna have to do this on these days. Yeah. Without, the thing is like, no consultation and no reason. There's no real reason. Like, and it's like, in this, and I think a lot of chatter around accommodations is like, oh, whatever the 
um, employee says needs to go. It's like, it doesn't. Like, we need to m- not necessarily meet in the middle, but there's a problem. Let's work together and find a solution. Yeah. Like, if it, like, fair enough, if it's like a client's coming in, it serves for me to be there. Yeah. And I, like, can swallow it for a day, but also I need you to know what this puts me through, which then might mean, okay, I get some toil. Like, there's a w- there's ways around things, but on the <laughs> the coming in, I remember the day someone like boldly came up to me and spoke to me like they knew me. And I have a problem with faces, so I was like, I know we're on the same project, but I also know we've never met. <laughs> Turns out I had the same weave as another girl. Oh. He was about a f- a foot shorter than me <laughs> at least. Like she was tiny. Oh. And like, it was like, oh yeah, like, how were your eggs yesterday? And I was like, I've never made eggs in the office. <laughs> 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 oh my God. But then also didn't remember that I work with him on a project. You've Jeez. rescued this one. You yeah. <laughs> this, the, the, the office black work, workplace chat was popping off that day. It was so <laughs> funny. And then we like walked around like together where, where they were sat. And I was like, I hope he feels like a oh no imbecile. Like it was ridiculous. Oh my god, so funny. But yeah, it was just it's it that whole sort of time was so it was so strange. I just I just remember thinking that with the, I obviously I remember that day and there were so many instances of that where yeah. I thought it's you're asking a lot of your of, of your workforce of of their ability to cope in what was a really strange time anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it just it's another reminder of how far you know workplaces have to go on those on those fronts. And I feel like it's not just the workplace. I feel like it's the world. There's just this demand from I don't know. We have we live in societies where everybody is supposed to be the same, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take into account the different sure maybe challenges that people face, but also the different strengths. Like yeah. I as someone who is like a very strong introvert who feigns extroversion for a lot of my work, I too get so drained from all the times I have to talk to people. And I was way more productive. I was way more happy during lockdowns because I was working from home. I was able to get everything done. Like that is where I shine and where I'm able to focus. And then same thing where, you know, businesses will ask you to come back in but I think it's because in some situations, the people who are in charge assume that everybody operates within the same conditions that they do, and they don't actually take into account that neurodiversity that I we think, were talking about. On top of that, though, what I think is also really important is that sometimes companies can get it right, and we forget just how bad the workforce can be as well. Mm. Because if I think back to when I was at the like they were actually pretty good when it came to all kinds of diversity aside from ethnicity, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was a woman on my team when I first started who had ADHD, she had depression, she had really bad anxiety. And we were on the grad scheme. We were supposed to be in London. We were supposed to be in the office at least four days a week. She's from Sheffield. Within about three or four months, we were like, you got Sheffield, you work from home, come to London when you can. We're here for you. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. It was really, really good. It enabled her to be everything that she was able to be at the company. That didn't influence the way that everybody in, uh, like interacted with her mm. or mm. spoke about her. Mm. Why is she getting preferential treatment? Yeah. Or this is just, the, I almost said her name then. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
this is just the way that they treat her. Everybody else has got to do things differently. And when you've got a culture like that, that is kind of going against what the company's trying to do as well, I think in certain times that can be just as damaging. Yeah. It's, it, 2020, post-George Floyd, when we all have to start, everyone's start, got to do these like conscious bias training. And it's like, okay. It's, Sorry, yeah. I'm just laughing because clearly not all employees did that. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? Easy to get out of though. Huh? It was so easy to get out of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Tyler. What? I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna, without name. I'm, I, I've had a situation with an employer today who has um, uh, put together some materials to help a child understand the um, the <laughs> error of their ways, and uh, it's fair to say that they've caused more problems than they have solved. Um, but sorry, Dan. It's yeah, it's <laughs> like a whole lot of nothing. It's a whole lot of nothing. Every single one out. <laughs> so, should we do it? Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. So, um, uh, as I say, I work at a school which I will not name, and um, there is um, a child there that, on four separate occasions, has called me a black bastard, um, and my issue has has often been not with what the child has said but with the way that it's then been handled um so after the fourth time because like, i've given you three three strikes and i've given you know but the fourth one is too many um i've gone to uh somebody that is in a position of authority and have just said that they come on this is too much now um and you have you know children of color here and my concern is that he's saying it to them and also needs to learn mm -hmm. and so fair play they did put a, a sanction in and they said they were going to put together an educational educational pack for him um today um i saw what the educational um pack was um and um i'm not gonna sh I, I i actually think it's too x-rated to share uh, I don't but know. I mean, there's, a, there's a big <laughs> trigger warning. That comes there, there's a huge, Describe. there's a huge trigger warning. So, so they're, they're saying that. Yeah. It, 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 so, they they've done it in the style of a story, right? Uh, a, a learning journey for this child, and they've said that this child, either using the kind of should know this, taught it for years, third person. They're using the third person, and they're saying, you know, we'll call the kid. Timmy and it says you know Timmy is in this year at this school and Timmy has been at this school for a long time and Timmy is happy at this school this is good uh, Timmy is having some trouble with saying words that are banned Timmy is being getting into trouble for saying these words this is not good um, sounds like the start of a stand-up routine doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> um, huge trigger warning if you don't like the full use of the n-word just block out the next 50 just skip hey, why is it in there <laughs> um <laughs> Timmy must never use the word nigger or call anyone a nigger. Timmy could get into trouble with the police if he says this word outside of school. Nobody wants Timmy to get into trouble. Timmy will remember to not use the word nigger. Timmy knows now the word nigger is a banned word. Timmy can use other words when he is feeling mad. Timmy can write down the words he can say here. Um, he called me a black bastard. <laughs> He so you've taught him a new word. I, I didn't. <laughs> Someone did. Yeah. Done did the song with Ice Cube, but every other word was nigger. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that felt like. I was like, they basically said it more times than he called you a black bastard. Yeah. They were like, 
four is clearly a good number for this kid. Oh, no. <laughs> it takes him four times to hear a thing for it to really. So uh, it it's left me in a kind of way. But bringing it back to the conversation about neurodiversity, um, the, my frustration was the first time that I kind of reported it. I had, again, somebody in a position of power kind of breathlessly run up to me and go, um, you know, he doesn't know what he's saying and, mm. you know, um, it's part of his condition and he's, you know, got a difficult home life. And it was one of those where it's like, I have deep wells of empathy and understanding. One of the big things that that place rightly teaches is uh, a new day is a new day and mm -hmm. it's a new start and it's a new day. But there also has to be this thing where you go, well, no, he, he, let's not, let's not infantilize anybody because he does know what he's doing because he will whisper it. He knows not to say it too loudly. He tries to make sure that nobody else is listening. Two of the occasions, he's made sure that it's just with me and him when he has said it, and that is infantilizing to say then that he doesn't know what he's doing. Mm. But what that resource, because I think it's important to say that I think that resource has been made with the best of intentions uh, in mind. It just shows that there isn't an understanding of race, but also there isn't a, organizationally there isn't a will to, to find out, you know, um, the part of England that I live in is not diverse. Mm. There are not lots of uh, people of color, and it, it the reason it the reason it stands out beyond the fact that the N word is used four times is that this school is superb at dealing with other kinds and other forms of bigotry. It is an absolute model for the way it deals with other forms of bigotry, and the way that I want to kind of bring it back to you is have you, obviously you present to the world as people see you that they don't see your autism, they mm -hmm. see your blackness. Do you find, how do you find that the world in general, how does it, how are you able to navigate? How does the world navigate you when it comes to your blackness and also your autism? Because at that school, it's clear that the black children that are there um, are what I think society would be able to recognize as mm -hmm. autistic. And there are a lot of children there that can and that do try to uh, mask mm -hmm. the, the black children that are there are not able to mm -hmm. mask. Um, how have you found that the world, how do you find navigating the world do you find it more difficult? Not do you find it more difficult, that creates a binary, but um, the challenges that are presented as being both black and autistic? I think being autistic doesn't make being black in white spaces any harder. I mean, any, wait, yeah, any harder. Um, or like, like, because I'm already othered. Mm -hmm. So it's just, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they don't read what could be present because of other challenges or differences because I'm autistic as that, they'll just see it as I'm, I'm black and problematic, which mm. either, they'll obviously be black problematic or autistic and problematic either way. Like it doesn't make that any harder, I don't think. I think it's actually kind of more challenging in black spaces when they either hear me, I don't, this is the thing I also, I'm, again, 
I do a lot of a lot of work in my head in the sense of like I don't it's never usually helpful I've found in conversations to say oh I do this because I'm autistic because no one knows what it means to be autistic mm. so it's like oh like I was chatting with you guys before like oh I forgot the password because of brain fog which is happening because like of certain triggers which are like linked to being autistic like you gotta work the way up like just ending there it's you're not giving people the information they need to know and learn more or just even help you so i think even in instances with my family like that it's the it's the the autism becomes a bigger problem um so yeah yvonne kelsey yancey said if we can't discuss these issues we cannot build cultures that support them um and I think that's the key thing that it's particularly when you're talking about amongst the black community, it's it's quite rare to 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 for me to come across uh, a black person who who identifies as uh, as as autistic or identifies as being dyslexic compared to like the the, the white people I come across. Mm. Um, I mean, we've all yeah. seen sort of small acts mm. like Alex Wheatley, like and the history of them putting, being put in educationally subnormal schools. Um, but it's also unfortunately hidden or tried to be hidden by family members. Mm. Yeah. 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 Because of shame. Yep. It's, it's, it's really, really sad. It's, it's, I guess, no different from the conversations we've had about um, mental health, mental health yeah. queerness, all of that, unfortunately, in the black, well, in the black community that I am part of. Mm. At least I've seen so much of that, far too much of that. There's examples in my own family that I can recall where it's like, this person needs help, mm -hmm. not your denial mm. or your disgust or your shame. And it's 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 so unfair. But I will also say that um, <coughs> society is more than willing to aid and abet in that cover-up because yeah. if, you, if you look at every single school report that I ever had from five through to 18 it says exactly the same thing like literally subject through subject says exactly the same thing very very bright uh when it comes to putting it down on paper yeah. uh, somewhat lacking and and it wasn't until i went to university that somebody went oh, go and get a dyslexia check <laughs> and then they and then it was like because my, my dyslexia is a processing thing yeah. it's not I'm, I'm a good mathematician um but actually if you ask me, if you say to me, oh, just remember this uh, number for me. I'll, I'll remember the numbers, I won't remember the order. Mm. Um, and so it's the same thing. It will be like, if I'm trying to pay for something at the till and then somebody asks me for something that's not related to that, what I might say out of my mouth is gonna be completely garbled because, <laughs> and people go, what's happening? It's, it's, it's my dyslexia, it's that I can't process different things. I yeah. can process, but it has to be one thing then another thing. But every single report, like, my, my, we laugh about it now, but I remember being like, I would get into trouble because it'd be like, you're, be, you're lazy, you're not getting work done. Why have you only written four lines? You know, and teachers would say to me, you had the best ideas and everybody took your ideas and you didn't put them down, that's lazy. And it's like, no, when it came to putting it down, I did really badly. And it's so funny that um, I, we, they, the school ordered copies of my A-level scripts, they're like, how have you done so badly? And it was like everything you've written is really good, but you've only written a page. Well, yeah, because <laughs> I like I had to stop and think, and I'm not good at tests. I know the answers, but it's like actually something yeah. from here to here. Wow. And it's so obvious, but actually, 
the school was quite, the school was happy to say that me, who kind of represented the school at every sport and was in the choir and would, when I got into the sixth form, I would kind of go to every evening to like, if there's a music evening, somebody, they need to serve tea and coffee. Um, they were quite willing to say that I was. Easy man, they saying elite Daniels. Um, but they were quite happy to go lazy. They, they, at no point did they go, well this, a lazy person doesn't give of their time like this. Mm. Um, and so I kind of have a, an empathy because I go, I don't think I was, I remember thinking I'm not lazy. It's just, I'm, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it doesn't surprise me when I hear about any sort of disability that society will aid and abet the absence of people of color. Um, yeah. Because you never forget that during COVID, there were literal government ministers that were like, it may not be the worst thing if some people with disabilities don't make it. <laughs> Hunger Games, uh, UK COVID edition. Um, Jeez. I think even on that, if support services aren't like culturally aware or diverse or willing to make the changes that they need to be to be that way. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even when you do have families that want to reach out and want to get help and actually do want to engage in a system, it's not welcoming to them. Mm -hmm. So then yeah. it's like word of mouth, you're not going to hear like, oh, I know another black parent who's got an autistic kid. Yeah, just suppress it yeah. easier. Just treat them like, so, and that's not the right answer. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, they're not being caught by the education system, supported by the social services, and nothing's get nothing gets better once you know, mm. and it's then another burden on the parent to do that learning to then help their child. Parent is probably overstretched, probably isn't yeah. their only child, and it's like, now what do you do? Mm. Yeah, and I can't help but thinking. Obviously, I'm American, and I can't help but thinking about how the consequences of that going unchecked mm -hmm. leads to, you know, people who are in a state of crisis being murdered. <laughs> Like, yeah. and nobody and seems the front to care. Page of the Guardian. It's literally murder the top story of the Every Guardian. Yeah. And the Guardian right week? now is the murder of, or the, the the guy that killed Jordan Neely, who was a black man with autism who went into crisis on the New York subway, mm -hmm. um, who was first questioned by the police and then just let go. And it was only once there was like a campaign of pressure being like, no, you've you've killed a black man with a, who's ha in a ment mental health crisis that he's now been charged with manslaughter, but I have, again, y y people that have followed this pod for a while know that I don't watch black people being killed mm. on handheld videos. Um, I just thought I'm not doing it. Um, but there's lots of videos where this, that where Jordan Neely is going into crisis. This guy who's an ex-military man puts him into the chokehold that kills him and he's being assisted by the other people, yeah. apparently on the subway. So, it goes back to what, for me, it goes back to what you were saying, Dom, about your time at Deloitte, where they were really good, but the workforce, actually, um, the people around saw a person in a mental health crisis and went, we need to restrain and subdue that person. Yeah, because it was an inconvenience on them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and who knows what was going through their brain? It could have been like, oh, probably just, you know, a crackhead or blah, blah, blah. Like, it's all of that stuff that's mixed in with it, and you don't take the time to... It's it's fear and ignorance and hatred, I suppose, of, of that other. Mm. 
it's shame as well i think and it's that thing of so again if i bring it back to that school that's created that i'm going to call it a resource um <laughs> i think that what there is is they go well we know queer people and they are form part of our circle and there's been like a i think in this country there's probably been like a 30 year campaign to kind of normalize queer people which is obviously a great thing because i'm old enough to remember you know the brookside uh lesbian kissing scene and, the, and the kind of uproar that that caused yeah. and now it's kind of been completely normalized um but when it comes to race there's um i'm the only and i'm not a staff member i'm a freelancer i'm the person of color so when i bring stuff that rush to defend i think comes from a place of I don't know anything. I don't know enough about this topic and I am ashamed because we are in the caring business. Mm. Um, and so you can go one of two ways. You can go, do you know what? I don't know enough about this. I'm, gonna, I'm really sorry, I'm gonna go away and learn. Or I can, I can go, let me drag this back to an experience that I know and hope that that suffices. And I think that can be partly rooted in shame. Could I pose a question just really quickly? Okay, so because I actually uh, messaged the guys in our, our WhatsApp group the other day when I was seeing a young black guy being sort of like interrogated <coughs> by the police in my neighborhood and there was like a white couple standing across from the street observing and it didn't look like anything negative was going down but with my like inherited trauma from what I witnessed in the States all the time I was like should I wait here should I like I don't want to like escalate the situation could be nothing like I had all of this like internal conflict right so let's say it's a situation where somebody looks like they're in a crisis and potentially somebody who has, um, you know, some sort of neurodivergence, but you don't know what what is what are the steps that one takes in that kind of situation? Or what would you as somebody who has, you know, gone through experiences where you said, you know, you didn't have friends and it would have been nice for somebody to reach out to you. What do you wish the world <laughs> looked like, I guess? Like in instances like that, I would never expect another black person to insult themselves because if it's with the police, like generally. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Because okay. uh, even for me personally, when I see like another like a young black boy being stopped, I'm like, I'm old, I should stop. But I'm just like, I'll linger. I'll be, I'll, if I need to be a witness, I'll be a witness. Mm. And obviously if things get too far, then I'm calling, I don't who do you even call? Because the yeah. police. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Do? Um, but yeah, again, I think, I, I wouldn't expect to, uh, I don't know how to answer because I don't get involved with police. Yeah. yeah. There isn't a one size fits all. There isn't. Mm -mm. And as you get older, you just, I'll speak for myself, I just try and put myself in spaces where I can't even be accosted. Like that's yeah. part of the, re like on a level, that's a reason I've not been to carnival for so long. Because mm -hmm. the last time I went to carnival, um, I got stopped and searched coming off of a train. And I was wearing a vest, shorts that didn't have no pockets, and, and flip-flops. Everything I had, I carried in my hands because I was like, I just want to present no threat. And I'm getting like up against the wall. And there was a white guy who was in our group who I didn't know, who's having like a lovely conversation with the guy that's <laughs> not really searching me and like, oh, sorry, man, I just said, so yeah, I've got some weed on me. I'm like, <laughs> you didn't, I didn't know you had weed on you. Like, I was like, oh, weed, weed. And he's like, and he went, he even went, nah, mate, we're not looking for that. Meanwhile, I'm there being kind of like, being taken to third base. 
uh, because this guy gave me a very thorough search. And then at the end of it, he kind of goes, um, you know, I'm uh, giving you, the, I've, these are the powers, I'm giving you this piece of paper that lets you know why. So then I go, oh, so if somebody else comes to try and stop and search me, can I present this piece of paper to be like, it's been, uh, been done. He was like, nope. And it hung over me for the whole of Carnival. And if you look at the photos from me of Carnival that year, I look miserable because every time I saw a police officer, I was like, I'm about to like get stopped and searched. Mm. So my response to that was just don't put myself in that space. Yeah. 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 And I and and I think that that people that I know that are neurodivergent and know they're neurodivergent will just avoid putting themselves into certain spaces because it's better than trying to it's better Prevention is better than cure mm -hmm. in, in those situations. Even like my my uh, local tube stations right by football ground, it's like, and obviously there's increased police presence on a match day. I'm not getting the tube that day. Mm. I'm just not getting, it's just, no. Like I'm not loud, I'm just literally probably going into Central, but not happening, I don't go near the police. Um, it's, you, you raise an interesting point and it's a really good segue actually into into the coronation, an unexpected <laughs> way, and more about the overreach of police powers. And I've been sat bemused <laughs> <laughs> whilst people, you know, uh, 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 shocked and aghast at the the curbing of previous powers that they had before, previous rights that they had before, have been taken away from from essentially white middle class people. Did you see the Kalechi tweet? I did not. Which one? No. Which one? Kalechi. <laughs> <laughs> like it was what I saw it this morning and I've helped it's been my source of joy all day. She put out this tweet uh yesterday? No, this morning. was it it must have been this morning where she said um <laughs> it said something like breaking news. Um white women find out that police do overreach. More on this breaking news shortly. And it was about like these people that kind of got arrested at the coronation. And I was like, Kalechi, you have done it again. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, break yeah, breaking news. White middle class women discover that the police can harm them too. We will update you as this story develops. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, be it's honestly, it's been like, it's been, a fascinating journey and it's been interesting to watch like from the outside this coronation I think as they realize do, do you know how how bad and how corrupt the Met have to be for the majority of society to have turned again that they're at a place now where they, they're gonna have to disband the American at some point because there is this support basically in about 20% of society telegraph readers few male readers and that's essentially it. And it started pretty much turning, obviously, the Sarah Everard yeah. thing from there, and Daniel Morgan. And it's just been body blow after body blow as people realise that no one's safe from that overreach of power. Mm. Mm. And the more people that turn against them, the more afraid and insular they get. And the more afraid and insular they get, the more sort of reckless they're going to get. And... It's a it's a pretty you know we're, we're laughing but it's it, it's not it's not a good time ahead of us. No. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is that whenever police get new powers, the way that our society is structured, it is going to fall on the heads Classic. of minorities the hardest. And minorities, if they are also neurodivergent, are going to get it harder again because. 
um, people that go into a mental health crisis, the police have powers now where it's they can they can do things and mm -hmm. justify it like they can justify it under feeling right if i if i was taking them they could just action me if they knew i was autistic i'm like this what mm. yeah if i because again like i'm pretty eloquent if i'm giving them what they seem to do but they their ego gets bruised like that's why i never want to encounter the police look and again it's one of i mean one benefit of it not having the paperwork it's not in medical records so it's like but that again shouldn't be a good thing because then that's preventing me getting access to other things that I've needed to like for jobs and stuff. It's just, it's a mess. Mm. I sound like a character from Downton Abbey if I have to encounter the police. You think I sound <laughs> posh now. You know, I'm so sorry if someone seems to be the problem here. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm f fighting for my life in those situations. And yeah. I know that the way that this country loves to kiss boot, if you sound like you're from landed gentry, even if you look like me, it might give you an extra, it might make them pause just an extra second. Mm. Um, and, and the wild thing about this is I've got friends that are in the police. I've, I had to interview them. I um, wrote a piece for a, um, for a piece I was doing. I had to do some research. I had to speak to some police officers. Oh yeah. And it's one of the things that, it, the one, <laughs> of the, one of the craziest <laughs> things. I'll be quiet about my sister then. DCI but, Harriet. <laughs> No, no, but the thing that the thing that I found so crazy is because I'm friends with them, they 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 get quite loose and they say stuff, and the fact that they feel comfortable saying it makes me realise that I should feel very uncomfortable challenging it because it's a it's a normal thing. Yeah, and I think I think I may have told this story in the pod before. I remember when I was about 19, 20, 21, and I was playing for a basketball team, and I think three members of the uh, three members of the team were police, and I think two of them were met. And we went on a night out and they were telling these stories. Oh, and I'm here just like being traumatized. And now, you know, all names are made up, but it's like, yeah, do you remember that time when we finally caught like Danny Fulton and, you know, he called me a dickhead back when we were in year eight at school. So I made sure that I fucking broke him. And it's like, and the, the, but you're looking around because obviously in a social setting, you have to kind of see how people are playing it. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, <laughs> um, so yeah, with the coronation, I think what we saw was chilling because, um, you know, from the, the fact that the most diversity you saw was on the jewelry that came from the continent <laughs> of <laughs> Africa and Asia um, to Floella Benjamin saying, me being here shows how far diversity has come to the fact that the police were arresting anybody. And it was this, th and, and it, for me, it was so coordinated. It was, we'll arrest everybody, and then we'll put out, uh, uh, we're regretful yeah. afterwards. Um, and the thing is, is when the coronation goes away, those powers don't. Mm. And so, and we know how this country will do a thing of being, of demonizing somebody. So, you know, if, if you're arrested, it's, you know, they were being violent. You know, if I'm arrested, um, he is seven foot four and <laughs> 29 stone. Well, this this is the thing that, and the, the one thing that gives me a bit of hope is, as I say, because so many people are kind of waking up to it, they can't hide their hand anymore. But and that's how they said with those, first. sorry? They'll save themselves first. But yeah, this is true. But like, for instance, with the, the rape alarms thing, people f saw that that had been seeded into the public before it happened mm -hmm. to give them a reason to arrest them on the day. 
And now after the fact, they're having to like, they've basically had to admit that yeah, it's all absolute bullshit. I'm not saying this is a positive thing. I'm just saying it's it's a slightly better a set of circumstances with which to encounter the future that's coming. But let's be honest, the, the racism in this country is super powerful and and like <clears throat> Meghan Markle is vilified and Andrew was out here wearing up gowns and shit. And yeah, but he didn't turn on his family. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Do you know? No, we're not We're not doing Andrew today. <laughs> we're not. We're, we're not either, either Prince or Tate. With no Andrew. <laughs> no Andrew's no pod. Did you, um, did you swear the oath? Are you? What oath? <laughs> That's the right answer. Oh, so you, you know oath what's of funny? To the king. We were invited as a nation to swear an oath of allegiance to the king. And they made a really big point of saying, we're not forcing you to, but we would encourage you to. And it's yeah. like, blessed be the fruit. Like. That's a Handmaid's Tale reference for anybody. That's you know what's funny though? It, when I get my citizenship, you have to do that. It's a requirement, which is why I will not be saying anything further on this podcast. We'll just, we can dub something in. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, dub, dub in the yeah. oath. Yeah. How do you used to pledge an allegiance? Huh? Where you come from? I actually, after, after uh, to some of the worst people in history, after, after the war, <laughs> after we entered the war in Iraq, I stopped saying the Pledge of Allegiance. So I haven't said it since I was a. But before a that, it was calm. Huh? Before <laughs> that, it was calm. Well, before that, I was like, what? She's living like 10. Six? No, not even. I was like a, a wee child. And then I was 10, and I was like, you can't tell me I have to say. I actually almost got in trouble from a teacher who was like, you must respect that flag. Oh, my God. And I was like, I'm 10 and I can do what I want, so. <laughs> I just, anyway. I, just, I find it bizarre. It's not about the I US, find it's it a, whole other, a whole other topic. I find it bizarre. You know what, can I just say on this coronation, I don't know if it's the bubble that I live in, but I really was like, this seems like such a farce. It was, it was giving, Emperor's new clothes. That's like, what it's gonna be. That's what it is. <laughs> like yeah, it's it's so. literally it was like this pro like this promenade of <clears throat> I just thought that especially for younger people who live in the UK, that especially after the Meghan Markle thing, and especially after I mean, just look at who was crowned and like they could barely get the crowns on their heads. And it just felt like maybe younger Britons were kind of releasing their, I don't know. There's like a, a sense of apathy kind of about the Alana, royal family. I really, I, I, but again, you're in London. I, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's just the, I was so actually surprised to see people our age going to line up to watch the parade? They ain't Londoners. My favorite I know, thing was but that's why it's so wild. It's like, it's such a bubble here, like a hub here in London. We can leave it on this, maybe. The funniest thing that I saw was, and I can't remember, I think it might have been Channel 4 News, but they were scanning for a crowd. And there was a guy that was clearly, um, doing business <laughs> and then the camera and he just they just, he just broke out to god save the kick and it was the <laughs> funniest thing i've seen these guys got the bag that comes over the side <laughs> <laughs> you know he's like two, two for 20 three three what you mean three for 60 bro <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no deals in the trap house god save <laughs> and he was loud of it too he's like you gotta remember me for the right yeah. reasons oh, <laughs> them coronation specials 
<laughs> oh man. Well, this is it. Like you, you were saying, it feels like Emperor's New Clothes. That's the part that I, from being young, I've never understood it because kings and queens, princes and princesses are for fairy tales. And the fact that you've got seemingly intelligent people in this country. Where? That's why I said seemingly. seemingly. Mm. <laughs> like lining up to go and pay their respects for how many hours and then pledging allegiance to this king. I, I genuinely, I really don't understand it. History though, innit? I don't understand it. it. But I, yeah, I, no, the thing is, I, I get the individual components, but I don't understand how someone could look at all of that and be like, this is the choice I'm going to make. I just genuinely don't understand it. It's history. Tyler, where can people find you? Oh, online. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in an era of mystery, but no. Um, I'm going to have to say LinkedIn. I write on Substack as well, tylergrant.substack.com. Um, fun projects coming soon, actually. Mm. About li literally, when I get home, releasing a podcast. It'll be fun. Wonderful. Yeah. So that's all about the Black Neurodiverse experience. What's the name um, of the podcast? Black and Neurodivergent podcast. <laughs> so <Nice>. so inventive. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like a six episode series, just speaking to people at different stages of their diagnosis and realizations. And it's pretty cool, if I do say so myself. Amazing. Amazing. Definitely check that Congrats. out. Congrats. Well done. Yeah. Cheers. Awesome. It's been three years in the making. Much needed. Much needed. Fantastic stuff. Thank you for coming on the pod. Yes, thank you so much. Thank all you. Right. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. It's been thank hot. You. It's been all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's warm, yeah. isn't it? It's the smart lights. <laughs> lights. Okay. And we out. Yeah. Peace.